we've had a day to breathe. I still am living in a dream with what's happened to the Arizona Cardinals since the start of the 2024 NFL draft. What does Ari Mayroff think? Let's ask him. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Your team every day. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook at the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So you know my moniker here. If I can bring smarter people than myself on, I do it. Um, this guy, I think I think we can go f- uh, friend of the show. I mean, I feel like friend of the show is now the correct label for this nice young gentleman, Ari Mayrov from the 3013.com joins me. Ari, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing well, man. The draft is over. I think there are not many teams that are better than um, the team we're going to talk about right now. So um, it's been a, a great weekend in Arizona. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's a far cry from when you and I talked last offseason for sure. And real quick, the 3013.com provides unparalleled NFL insight for fans, fantasy players, and betters to an unmatched roster of NFL experienced contributors, including executives, head coaches, and players. Visit the 3013.com this week to find out how their unmatched roster of NFL decision makers graded your team's draft and it's perfect timing having Ariane like we went around the world with the Arizona Cardinals and the futility and instability dysfunction and so many things have happened since then that would lend to that even stronger but it seems like right after the tampering story that you and others tweeted out it's gone to like this just this heavenly body of what the hell just happened when when you saw the old Cardinals transition into what I've been dubbing the Arizona Cardinals 2.0 from Thursday on. What was your initial thoughts is like, wait, 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 what is this team and what are they doing? There was probably no better formula to take to this draft for this current roster than what the Cardinals just did. And frankly, when this draft during the lead up the last two weeks, when everyone knew the Cardinals were trying to trade out, I think everyone thought, they had no takers. Like, they had nobody was going to come up and give them the proper value for what they should be getting for a team coming up to three. And then credit to Monty Austin for your new GM, and then Nick Casero and Houston, who both worked together in New England. And there are a lot of old videos in their drafting where those two guys just sit right next to each other. So clearly these talks, they've been talking to each other, and nobody knew about it. And they were able to strike a deal from 12 to three. And probably the main thing about this trade, and this is the thing that blew me away and why I give Arizona so much credit. It's Houston had two first round picks. Getting their own first round pick in next year's draft is gigantic. I I can't even explain how big that is. There is, again, I I hate saying it. I mean, you guys are not expecting to be a a great team next year. I think you guys have have, uh, understood that already. So Mm -hmm. the potential to have two five two top five picks next year if the way the season goes the way we're expecting is unbelievable for a roster that needs more players going into this draft arizona i believe had the least amount of homegrown players in the nfl they were missing so many players they've been so bad in the draft i mean i'm still trying to figure out the stat i mean the amount of times the money traded in his first year compared to how many times steve Kime traded in his history I, I don't know if anybody has found that found that out yet but doing the formula that he took 
in this draft to get more picks next year while still getting the players he wanted this year in this draft is, is, is incredible. Like if Paris Johnson was off the board when they got back to number six, then he would have looked back at it and said, okay, fine, we didn't get our guy, but we got somebody else. But still getting Paris Johnson at number six and showing Kyler Murray, we're going to support you. We're going to get the players you want. We're going to be with you throughout this process, unlike the previous regime. A lot of big Ws being taken by this new regime so far. Yeah, and you know, with the and I will not, and I refuse to, I've been I've been goaded by a couple of people to try to get me to talk, well, what if they have the first pick? Are you going to trade Kyler Murray? Stop it. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that ever, hopefully. But when you look at the potential, as you mentioned, just to strengthen that, like, and this is not baloney sandwiches here. Like the Cardinals and the Texans have the furthest Super Bowl odds of winning, which would mean by smart people's estimations, they have the best chance to have the top picks in next year's draft, which Ari Mayrov of the 33rd team.com, that could mean six future first round picks for the Cardinals. Like that could mean something that we've never seen before. One of which Probably would be Marvin Harrison Jr. who's going to be sitting there at three and the Cardinals can just moonwalk back and take maybe the best wide receiver prospect we've seen in the last two or three seasons. So, like, I mean, it's my, my mind is just exploding here with excitement. There are so many things to process here, right? I mean, there are so many things to process here from in, in the Arizona standpoint. And really, the thing about this, I know Monty has been saying, yeah, we did those trades because it came to us. We really, we're not thinking about 2024. Okay, give me a break. Yes, you were. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you were. Okay. This, this this was all about it. And here's the thing. I Forget about the Kyler Murray stuff for a second. If Caleb Williams and Drake May are there, they could do the exact same thing that Chicago just did this year, accumulate more picks and more picks and more picks, and still have that other pick from Houston or your own pick from Arizona near the top of the draft eventually. I know we're jumping so far ahead, but when you look at it right now, you mentioned the betting odds for teams who are going to be good this year. Those two teams are on the bottom. There is potential here that Arizona came away, and we'll be looking back two, three years from now and say, Monty's first draft and what he did there set us up not just for success right now, but long-term success in Arizona, which is something that hasn't really been there in a very, very long time. It's wild. It's wild. At my sports update on Twitter, um, you know, just taking everything in, and and I, I will get one more segment with our mayor that I'm super excited about, like, from a national perspective, and this is something that I asked you and I wanted you to be very candid, and you were. Uh, last time I asked, like, how often do you think about talking about the Arizona Cardinals? Do you remember me asking you that? Like, it was just like, and it it's just very, uh, it gives a perspective, you know, obviously from a national media member where it's like, it's like the Chargers and the Cardinals. We ran through a list of teams where it's like, nobody really talks about it unless it's like, well, when is the wagon going to fall off? When is this 10 and 2 going to really turn into a pumpkin? Things like that, which we, which we saw in 2021. But does this put the Cardinals in the national media news cycle for the next 12 months just de facto in some form or fashion? In a way, yes. Like right now, going through the draft and your winners and losers, and I know I, like our side is doing it. Like ultimately, it is difficult to really know who are the winners and losers. We haven't seen these guys on the field. But when you look at the overall draft spectrum right now, looking at what the Cardinals were able to do, not just in this draft, but to prepare themselves for future drafts, 
is the reason why everyone in the national media is going to say Arizona came out as winners in this draft. So everyone in the national perspective, whenever they're going to be asked those questions, and right now we're entering this bit of a dead portion of the offseason, right. everyone will be talking about Arizona because of what they did to set themselves up to get the players they got. We only mentioned Paris Johnson, but their next few picks as well were great value picks. Um, and then what they did for 2024 is amazing, and everyone will be talking about that. And then when you enter the season, and let's just say the Texans and they're starting CJ Stroud and now they're two and eight. Everyone's gonna be mentioning that Arizona has that pick. We did that, we do that every year. You know, I post this after every week is over and during the season, the updated NFL draft order. You're gonna be see Arizona up there twice every single week after every week, week 10, week 11, week 12. And that's going to be talking about whenever people are leading up to all that draft discussion that we have in week 13, 14, 15, 16, and Arizona's going to be dominating the draft. So that's probably the way I'm looking at all of this throughout the next 12 months, that we're going to be talking about Arizona. They're going to take their, their lumps and everything when it comes to being on the field. But eventually, when it comes to setting up for future success, we're going to be talking about the Cardinals and how we talked about the Bears this offseason. They control the offseason. They have everything. That's the Cardinals next year. I, I make noises here on Locked On Cardinals, man. Everybody knows. Uh, at my sports update, Ari Mayrov joining me. I want to talk more about the the later rounds and value because you know there are. I mean, there are myriad outlets out there that give gave the Cardinals not so great of a value draft grade this year, but gave you know rave reviews for for 2024, obviously, and what they position themselves for. I want to talk to you about that a little bit. And then in the third segment, I'm going to ask you about DeAndre Hopkins and Buda Baker. And if you agree with me that they should remain Arizona Cardinals in pseudo-perpetuity, we'll hit that next as Ari Mayrob joins me from the33team.com, Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's 1000 bucks back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place, you know, to bet all the playoff action than, than America's number one sports book, man. I mean, game two tonight, give me a break. Suns, Suns Nuggets, how are you supposed to download what the hell happened in game one over the weekend? And then you've got Philly and Boston, two bluer bloods in the East Coast, uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference. What the hell is going to happen there? FanDuel's got you covered. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. I mean, Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen. Everydayers, this is Ari Mayroff at MySportsUpdate3013.com. Um, official friend of the show now, which is cool. I can put you, put you towards the top of the list. So when you look at the first two picks – I mean, the B.J. Ojolari pick after Will Levis fell in the first round, everything just seemed very serendipitous for the Cardinals to be able to maximize the first three rounds of the pick for those first three rounds of the draft. For those that missed it, Will Levis could have gone top five, was you know was mocked by a lot of people to go top five, fell to 33. Tennessee Titans need another quarterback, needed a quarterback for the future because the Malik Willis project didn't work. Tennessee gives up 41, so the Cardinals move back nine spots. Go up and take their quarterback. The Cardinals pick up 72 overall, which pretty much replaced the tampering swap the Cardinals had to make with Philly. Okay, we're back now. Taking B.J. Ojolari out of LSU was a couple of things that Steve Kahn didn't really adhere to. Big schools and positions of need in high rounds. And that's something that he punted on the last couple of years in the draft. And now you look at Paris Johnson protecting Kyler Murray, 
B.J. Ojolari, whose brother is already with the Giants, he's already shown flashes like what could it have been more of a perfect one-two for the Cardinals, especially with the draft capital they accumulated, not only in this draft, but in next year's draft? Yeah, I mean, I loved their first four picks, and we're talking about the first two, but Ojolari, I mean, I'm from New York. I mean, if not for the injuries, Aziz Ojolari is like a really good pass rusher for the Giants, and clearly his brother has followed in his footsteps, and some people had him going near the top of round two, some had him sneaking into round one. You still get him despite trading back and adding more draft capital. I mean, Garrett Williams, the cornerback, he tore his ACL, I believe, in October or November, um, but he is somebody that entering the college season, people thought would be a first-round I know it doesn't mean much, but he has the talent to be that type of a guy. I know I did a hit with a 30-13 before the draft mentioning guys who are sleepers who are going to go higher than expected. Garrett was one of them, and here he is. The Cardinals take him. They know they could take their time with him. They know he's recovering from the ACL. We don't need you on the field right away. Take your time, recover, and show what you did before the college season started, which is what everyone thought you could be. And then even their fourth pick, Michael Wilson, another guy who has had injury history, but Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, this was his favorite, one of his favorite receivers in this draft because when he is on the field, that's a big part of it. He has to be on the field, but when he is on the field, he's a really electric receiver. And again, the Cardinals know we don't need you right now. We don't need you to be there week one if you're not ready, but take your time, recover, be ready, and whenever we feel like the time is to be on the field, we'll put you on the field and have you play there next season. And really the ultimate goal is to be ready for 2024 and beyond. So they did these picks not just for now, but for the future. And that's really what I see with those first four picks in particular. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, nagging injuries no longer are correlated with ACL tears. Like ACL tears, like you become bionic. You know, you don't have to go to Germany anymore. You don't have to be Kobe Bryant or whoever whoever else went. I mean, did AP go to Germany? I mean, like when it comes to ACLs, it's like, okay, recoverable. Everything else, nagging injuries, like the Cardinals drafted Rondo Moore two years ago. He didn't play a full season or near it after his rookie year where he, or freshman year where he just shattered freshman records. Like when you look at injuries and you look at it directly correlated to, you know, draft stock and where they actually fall, when you look at those two picks in the third round, do you see – massive value there and upside or is this one like that's probably where they where it should have gone even though you saw them as sleepers no i see the upside there and that's really what i think monty austin ford saw as well i mean that's really i mean listen i think if this was let's say the philadelphia eagles i don't think they're making these picks the arizona cardinals could make these picks they know what they're looking for and they realize where they are as a roster right now. That's the thing you really have to commend Monty for. I mean, he realized, and also I give a shout out to David Sears, who is basically sure. the assistant GM there. I mean, he's somebody who came over from Detroit and Detroit has had some great drafts until I don't know what the heck happened this year. <laughs> yeah. um, doesn't make a difference, but David Sears is another guy in that front office who um, is um, helping out Monty and, and they realize where they are as a roster. And that's why they made these picks and they made really smart picks. And I think the general public or the, or the, the national perspective out of all this is to say i understand what the Cardinals are trying to do i understand these picks and it just makes sense and again like i mentioned before there's the injury part of it but let them recover let them be with our medical staff let them figure it out and eventually they'll hit the field and we probably got them with value picks compared to where a different team who's in a win now mode would have probably not taken them at this point in time in the draft yeah and the interesting part also is that you know with the Cardinals, you know projecting for the future one thing that has happened with the Cardinals rookies over the last handful of seasons is they've been expected to perform a lot faster. Like when you look at Marco Wilson was a key example two years ago, 
They moved up from the sixth round to the fourth to get him, gave a future fifth. It's like, okay, you're going to be CB2 now. That's it. You're that's what it's going to be, and hopefully Byron Murphy is going to be cornerback one. I mean, the jury's still obviously he only got didn't get a whole lot of cheese uh, this offseason with Minnesota, like some had expected him to. But now it's just like like what happened with Cam Thomas and MyJ Sanders, two third round picks last year. They like the pass rush room was full, even though it wasn't great. So they got their time later in the year. This year, and this was one of the proponents for me as it pertained to not drafting Will Anderson. Like you're going to waste a year. Of a, of a third overall pick who's going to garner so much money. Like this is seems to me, whether it be luck or otherwise, like there's so much luck involved in the draft. Obviously, Like you have, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, you know, but it seemed like it was just so serendipitous the way you mentioned everything, just kind of doing the right things, good things happening in the Cardinals being able to kind of give a, a sneaky red shirt year for both of these guys, if necessary in some capacity in an effort to pop later, you know, and, and it's, I, I appreciate the candor and I appreciate you being so candid the first time, because this is a huge transition, a huge swing into like, I mean, people are just fawning over what the Cardinals did, which is a rare space for me to be in. Now, when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins and Buda Baker, you smiled when I brought them up. I don't know what that means. Okay. We didn't talk about this beforehand. I wanted to throw you a curveball in the final segment because it's boring to talk about what everybody else talks about. I'm in the huge camp that DeAndre Hopkins and Buda Baker should retire Arizona Cardinals. What does Ari Mayrov of the 33rdteam.com think? I'll ask him next, Lockdown Cardinals. <clears throat> so we've talked draft. We're going to talk draft until I don't want to talk draft anymore. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I refer to Uncle Ricoing it a lot with the Napoleon Dynamite uh, reference. Like, I'm going to Uncle Rico that draft until week one. I mean, I think it's very important to understand how far the Cardinals have come as it pertains to building foundation, not using crazy glue and band-aids, but really pouring new cement, new bedrock for this organization that was needed after the 2018 season, even though it was prolonged for four years. I remain off 33rdteam.com at my sports update on Twitter. DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker are both going to garner big money somewhere, sometime, even though it's going to be a little bit different with DeAndre Hopkins. Am I crazy to think that the Cardinals need to figure out how to front load these deals, make them happy for 2023 and placate them during a crappy year in an effort to have them for when the Cardinals are able to jump back into relevance. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if if I split them up. I, I don't think Hopkins really wants to stay in the rebuild. And, that, and that's part of the problem. The issue that's really been going on over here is that there is nobody who is willing to take on the contract. Like when, when Hopkins put out, I'm not looking for a raise, no one's really asking you to take a raise. Like no one wants to take the current contract you have. So that's been part of the issue of all of this. So what the Cardinals came up with this offseason was we're going to try to get a two or a three for him probably, and no team is willing to give up a two or a three and take on the contract. They want the Cardinals to eat some of it. Pause. Is that, Cardinals- is that crazy, first of all? Like is it crazy that people aren't giving up? He has no guaranteed money. Like, you're going to have to pay him something, but it's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, am I crazy to think that a second round should be the baseline? You're not. It, it's not. It's more of just the age, and then obviously there was suspension last year, and he still yeah. was productive when he came back. But teams look at a receiver once you get up to 30, 31, 32, a little bit differently, and they don't think he's worth a two or a three. It's just the way it is. So that's kind of where the problem is, and especially when you're taking on the contract as well. So there, there are levels to all of this, and that, that's mm-hmm. been the issue. I mean, I think they've been more than open to move DeAndre, but literally no team has stepped up. I know there's been some rumors about 
the Chiefs and the Bills, I'll tell you right now, the Chiefs and Bills are not taking on that contract the way it is. So there's going to have to be an adjustment. Now, I just don't think, I mean, the way your, your take is, I just don't think DeAndre wants to be back. I think really going back after the season ended, I think everyone was looking for a fresh start. He was looking for one. They were looking for one. They knew where they are. He knows where he is, and it's just time to move on. So I think just for him alone, I just don't think he wants to be back. And that's part of the issue. I don't think the Cardinals, um, at least up top, um, talking from Michael Bidwell, I don't think I think they're ready to move on as well. So just the end of the year, something just felt off. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but just something felt off when it comes to those parties. Um, so I think that's where it comes to Hopkins. Buddha is a different story. Um, Buddha is looking for a new deal, and obviously safety, um, the market, it is what it is. It's not really a position that when you are a rebuilding team, you want to pour that much resources into it, especially when it comes to money, and that's where the issue is. Um, I just don't know as a team if you want to create the precedent that we're just going to move any frustrated player. And that's really where it becomes really complicated for Imani. And that's where I really want to see what he does here. Because this is a guy who is amazing on the field, but even better off the field and in the locker room. And you really need that guy, especially when you're going into this phase of your your team right now, where it's going to be a bit of a rebuild. So you would love to keep that guy. He's still young. But are you willing to give him a new deal when they just did one, I believe, two years ago? Mm-hmm. And he's going to be looking to get to $20 million a year, probably become the highest paid safety. Right now it's Derwin James. They both share an agent. So I'm sure they're going to be looking to um, top each other. So that's where it becomes a little bit complicated. I just don't think it's worth it to show, all right, this guy's upset, we're trading it. This guy's upset, we're trading it. You don't want to create that precedent as a new GM. And that's where it becomes complicated. I think there are two different situations. One's an older player. One's a younger player. You want to show up the younger player. You're willing to keep him and reward him and pay him. And that's where I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating thing for Monty to see what he does. Because as we mentioned before, when you're a rebuilding team, you're not looking to pay a safety. That's what the Jets did with Jamal Adams. They traded him away. They weren't ready to pay a safety when they were still going to be 5-11. and 11. So that's going to be part of the equation that, that he's going to have to figure out here. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good synopsis of that because you also don't want to set the precedent where anybody that says I want a new contract they get it right away either, you know. Exactly. So I so I so it's a double edged sword with that. Now with with Hopkins, I just know that he's going to perform elsewhere. He's never relied on his speed. That's my anchor. Like that's my opening thesis for why to keep DeAndre Hopkins. He can play till he's thirty six if he's healthy. He's never been fast. He just catches everything, and he's six feet. He plays like he's six four in the red zone. Like, and I still think he's one of the best receivers in the league. I can. I can be okay with what you just said about that, but I, I 100% agree that, like, I say this and I say this very gingerly because I'm not comparing these two players whatsoever, but Buda Baker is the closest thing to Larry Fitzgerald that the Cardinals have had since Larry Fitzgerald. And I think it's so important to build Arizona Cardinals and not just be a transplant team like the city of Phoenix is. Like, that's just what... The Cardinals are a transplant team. It's hard to build a culture when you bring players over from different organizations and you're not drafting. So with Buda Baker, all he's done is be a missile on the field through bad years, through good years, with a smile on his face in the locker room, outside the locker room. They focused, you know, they focused him on hard knocks in season. Like he is the Arizona Cardinals. And when it comes to this, and you look at Kyler Murray already only being the seventh or sixth highest paid quarterback in the NFL for 15 minutes after he got the contract, you giving him a two or three year contract extension and Buda Baker is going to look like a steal in two years. Like I don't understand the vitriol behind not giving him money. Like, and, and you said it yourself, you're like, he's good on the field. He's even better. He is the locker room. 
And that's why it's like, this should have been, and you want to push back, you want to have him request a trade before he gets what he wants. Sure. I get the gamesmanship with that, but the draft is over. You have your clear vision for the future and Buda Baker damn well better be a part of it. This isn't me like being a fan of the team or anything like that. Cause I, I'm very honest about the team here on this podcast, but Ari, would it be, even if they could get, say they got two twos for Buda Baker, would it be worth trading him? I just recall what, I don't remember who it was, maybe it was both of them, Gannon and Mani in their opening press conference just mentioned, we want our players to be like Buda Baker. Yeah! That's what they said, right? It would be pretty awkward if you trade him away. Yeah. So th- that's the way I look at it. But it's it's a hard dynamic because it's it's legit money. Like you're really giving up like twenty million per year for a position that teams just don't do in a rebuild. But again, he does more than just the play, and I think that's the thing they're going to have to figure out over here. And if I was to bet, I would probably guess that he ends up staying. When it comes to DeAndre, by the way, let me just go back to him for a second. I've wondered a lot throughout this offseason if it gets to a point where the Cardinals are willing to eat most, if not all, of the contract just to take back a second-round pick because you're anyways accumulating picks. You might as well just do it. He doesn't want to be there. Take the second-round pick, add another one to your your treasure chest of picks right now and just go ahead with that. So I'm curious to see if that ends up happening as well. But when it comes to Buddha, I'm right there with you. This guy is the heart and soul of the team. I mean, you should try to do whatever it takes to probably keep him because he is that important. Great stuff as always. Again, the 3013.com provides unparalleled NFL insight for fans, fantasy players, and betters to an unmatched roster of NFL experience contributors, including executives, head coaches, and players. Visit the 3013.com this week to find out how their unmatched roster of NFL decision makers graded your team's draft. One of whom, Ari Mayroff at My Sports Update. Friend of the show, stamp it. Ari, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you tomorrow.